Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. Today we'll be discussing something so serious, but not so serious as it is said, uh, but uh, with me in the studios I have two great gentlemen. Uh, one is uh, a, a very serious uh, researcher and uh, he comes to us from ACFA, uh, which is uh, commonly known as uh, Africa Center for Apologetics Research and is the Eastern Africa Regional Director. Uh, Rogers, would you like to say hi to the viewers and then we can proceed. Greetings to your viewers. It's exciting to be here in the studio speaking to you. As you've heard, my name is Rogers Atwebembire, the director of the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. Uh, to my right is a man with a very serious name, uh, commonly known as Tendo Misusera Mukadaiga. Would you like to say hi to our viewers? Uh, hi viewers, it's a pleasure being uh, with you once again as we discuss. May the Lord richly bless us as we see what he has for us this evening. God bless you. Well, today we'll be discussing African traditional religion and the contemporary Christian society. So there will be a lot of African traditional and then uh, we'll look at the contemporary Christian society today. So let me start with Rogers uh, on my left. Would you like to give us an overview uh, of, of African traditional religion uh, for starters? Then that can give us a flow on how we can move. Very interesting. When he asks for an overview, I wonder if he's giving me a whole day to give the overview <laughs> or not. Because... African traditional religion is something that is very much difficult to define because in every place you go, in every group, people group you go, it will be defined differently. But maybe for the sake of time I will just say that when we think about African traditional religion or what we call ATR, we are thinking about the practices and the beliefs of the African peoples. While they may be diverse as you go from one country to another, one culture to another, there are a number of things that are common amongst the different cultures that help us at least to briefly describe what it is, even though we can't capture the real essence of the word itself. But if we think about African traditional religion, we are thinking about the rituals, the beliefs, the practices of the African people, especially in regard to their spirituality, how they perceive the supernatural, how they relate with supernatural beings, the things they are to do or not to do in order to align themselves with the work of the supernatural influence upon the natural world. I could have said more, but again, my colleagues, I'm sure, will want to contribute. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 Tendo, mm. uh, Reverend Rogers just talked about uh, beliefs and, and rituals. Would you like to point out some of the rituals uh, that, uh, uh, that, that we have seen through the African traditional religion? Uh, as, uh, as Reverend Rogers has pointed out uh, clearly, the African tradition, traditional religions are actually many, diverse, 
from tribe to, to tribe, from place to, to place. And so even the rituals are as diverse as that. But uh, a few key, key ones are uh, when you think of uh, rites of passages, rites of passage, especially when uh, someone is uh, at critical times in life. You find there are some rituals done at birth, and these ones will also differ from culture to culture. There are rituals done when someone is getting uh, married or being prepared for, for marriage. Then uh, there are those complicated rituals when it comes to death, because Africans uh, fear death. So there are so many rituals involved in the different uh, different tribes. So rituals are as many as there are a number of tribes, and even within tribes, the as many as the number of families and clans, so they are quite a number. Thank you. Uh, so, looking at there is birth, there are rituals performed at birth and death, and there are <laughs> some practices that, that run through the, the lifetime. Maybe, Rogers. Well, uh, if you will allow me to, I think we can discuss the rituals and the practices better mm. if we outline the framework of African traditional religion. Mm. When we get the broader picture of what it is really about, then we can answer the why of those rituals and practices. So to begin with, we must understand that Africans are by nature spiritual beings. As Africans, we perceive a relationship between the natural world and the supernatural. In fact, these two seem to be joined together, that everything that happens in the natural world has a spiritual explanation behind it. If I fall down and I hurt my leg, there must be a spiritual reason why this is happening. But for us to understand this well, there are some layers or levels of the traditional worldview that we need to understand. For instance, layer number one would be that Africans believe in the presence of a supernatural God, a very powerful, mighty being, but who is divorced from humanity and therefore does not have a close relationship with the day-to-day -day lifestyle of the African peoples. Be, be, below this supreme God is the layer of what we would call spiritual forces. Some are personal, others are impersonal. In terms of the impersonal ones, we have like the demons that are believed to be trying to afflict the African peoples. But even apart from the demons which are impersonal forces, we have those forces that we call the ancestors. Mm -hmm. Some African scholars have called them the living dead. Mm -hmm. That in African society, people really don't die. They just transition into a spiritual realm where they gain more power and they can use that power either to help the living in the natural world or to hurt them depending on how the relationship is. Mm -hmm. And below those spiritual forces, you have a third layer, what I would call the layer of the mediator. Mm -hmm. If we have a supernatural God that is unreachable, we have a layer of spiritual forces, both of the ancestors and the demons, that we need to work through to reach the supernatural God. How do we get the supernatural God? We need a mediator. Somebody who is special, believed to have some divine abilities, who can communicate on our behalf to the supreme God or the spiritual forces in the supernatural. And that layer in our African traditional thinking is the native doctor, or what we commonly know as the witch doctor. This is the guy that will perform rituals or some sacrifices or some incantations on our behalf, and then we are able to tap into the supernatural. And of course, as Africans, we are not just passive participants. We also have a role. 
the witch doctor will ask us to do certain things. It could be bringing some chickens or the tooth of a lion or the tail of a tiger. Whatever it is, he's going to ask us. But there is a role we play. Now, conclusively, in terms of this framework, why are we doing all this? Why is there a need for us to reach the supernatural, to manipulate the demons and the ancestors, to work with the witch doctor? Why are we doing all this? Because the African quest, or I should say, at the heart of every African is a desire to be healthy and to be wealthy. In Africa, we measure success by how much we own and by the mere fact that we don't fall sick. If there is a problem in our family, we must go to the root of that problem until we are healthy. If my cows die, there has to be a reason why my cows are dying. And that's why I will go to the witch doctor who manipulates the ancestors or the demons to find out what the cause of the problem is so that we can sort it. So African traditional religion or worldview is about the well-being of the African. How do I become well and remain well? How do I become wealthy and own a lot? And for that to happen, I need to work with the native doctor who is the mediator to work against the spiritual forces that I believe are responsible either for my failure or my success. And that's why you will see that Africans are always asking what is the reason behind my success or my failure. Because they see the, the world as a, a sandwich of the natural world and the supernatural. Yeah, so when you understand that framework through which the African is working and why he is doing that, then you begin to see the places of rituals and sacrifices. And of course, as we get into discussing contemporary Christianity, you will start to see some parallels and similarities. Because remember, even though we have embraced Christianity, we have not stopped being African. Tendo, if we've embraced Christianity and we are still Africans, <laughs> what happens when, when people have a desire to be healthy a desire to be wealthy, and yet they are still Africans. And uh, looking at the third framework of, of, of uh, the mediator, it is on rare cases to find these mediators when they are really rich. Mm. <laughs> uh, you find the mediator is normally in some funny grass-touched house somewhere, in some ghetto and, uh, and, and things like that. Yes. What would you have to say about that kind of, of take of people who run to such mediators to get wealthy and healthy? Uh, maybe even before before I go into that reason, something that uh, Rogers has, has hinted on, eh, which will help us also to appreciate why the African will run, will run to that. Uh, another component of the African traditional religions is that we are part of them in a way. We are born, <laughs> we are born with them, we practice them directly or indirectly. We are initiated directly or indirectly into the, those different uh, practices. You grow up knowing, you know, when such a thing happens, do this. Mm-hmm. When, so somehow our DNA as Africans is fused with that. So when it comes now to times of crisis, times when uh, one needs uh, maybe wealth, when times when uh, calamities strike maybe a family. So because of the background, because of what is at heart, at the heart of the African, the African finds it easy to run to the mediator in quotes to find out 
what what's up what can i do are the gods annoyed with me even when at times uh, they are they are christians because it's something that is deeply rooted something that has been practiced over time something that we live with daily so you find that that worldview seems to take a bigger a big grip until dealt with uh, intentionally so that's what i would uh, i would uh, i would say mm. uh, so if we have been uh, among the intersorts <coughs> when when um, a child is born it is believed that that those young people are given a drip of of Ajun. of, of vagina <laughs> commonly known as and then uh, I, I know that about because I am one but I know there are other practices that other people uh, practice but then now when you grow up and become a, do this Rituals and practices have direct effect on 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 the person. Projects. Do, do, do they have? Do, do, do some of these rituals and practices and beliefs? Do they take? Do, do they take place in in somebody's life as they grow up? Okay. Uh, one of the things that we need to point out in African traditional religion and worldview is that this system is one that is very highly suspicious. Remember that for the African, everything is spiritual or at least has a force behind it. And the force has two, two things that can happen. Either the force is here to help you or the force is here to hurt you. And we are always more aware of the second one. That if there is a spiritual force behind something or behind me, it is out to hurt me, it is out to catch me. So what do I need to do? Go on the defensive. Find ways in which I can manipulate it or ways in which I can appease it. Mm. And one way to appease them is to try to perform some rituals, bring some sacrifices, things we believe that could make these ancestors happy. Now, that does not necessarily mean that there was actually a spiritual force behind us. But because we are a superstitious people, we are also what I call a fear-ridden culture. That we live in the fear of the powers of darkness every moment of our lives. And we are willing to do whatever it takes to be healthy and to be wealthy. Which is why we will do whatever the native doctor will tell us. Even if he asks you to go around naked in the city at midnight, you will do it regardless of who will think of you, of what. Because after all, at the end of the day, you want to be wealthy and healthy. Now, does that mean that if we didn't do those rituals, these powers would actually hurt us? Assuming that these powers are even there. Remember, it is not so much that the, 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 it's not so much about the presence of the evil powers. It is so much about our perception of the evil powers. And as long as I believe that they are there and they are out to hurt me, I'm going to do whatever it takes to dodge them. I remember when I was growing up, if you were going to work, and you met a rat in the road. You know, the rat crosses the road in the morning when you're going to work. That day you have gotten a holiday. You cannot continue to work. Why? Because you believe this is a sign that there is a danger ahead. And this rat was saying, you better go home. Otherwise, today will be your last day. Now, does that mean there is a powerhouse to hurt you? Not necessarily. But as long as I believe that the rat has a spiritual message for me, I'm going to act upon that message, whether it is true or false. So there is a lot of practices and rituals that Africans do today, not necessarily because there is a dangerous power behind them that could hurt them, but because we are following a suspicious system. 
with a lot of uh, suspicions, with a lot of uh, anxieties for good health and uh, a lot of wealth, they will send you for a tooth of a leopard. <laughs> and I don't know, why do they demand for things that are next to impossible? Because you're going to hunt for a tooth of a lion is <laughs> literally, is literally <laughs> dangerous. Yes, but you see, the whole idea is if you can't find it, the native doctor can find mm. it for you. <laughs> so you need to cough something so that he can find ways of getting what you can't get. In a way, it's putting you in a position where you have no choice but to bring whatever he asks for. If you can't bring the tooth of a lion, but you can allow me to marry your daughter, why not? <laughs> it's a very manipulative system. <laughs> With all these manipulative things, you, you, you just want to be careful about your anxieties, mm. about how rich you want to get to. Sure. With, do, do this, according to, to your culture, mm. because ATR and, and culture are somehow intermarried, mm. Have you seen some of these? Would you like to tell us? You seem to be a very strange Muganda. What are some of these uh, these bits in a, in, in a minute or so? No, depending on what you what you're looking at, uh, there are quite a number of uh, of uh, things that are done. Let me give an example. When you give birth to twins amongst the Waganda, that is one of the things that people fear most. Instead of being a joy, it becomes a burden. So there will be there is a lot of superstition and a lot of things surrounding uh, giving birth to to twins. So popularly there is what they call okwalurabalong, you know, and it's one of those uh, funny funny ceremonies that that a Muganda must do when you get twins. And uh, it, as as Reverend Rogers has said, it stems out of fear. The fear is that if you don't do it, then these children may pass on. Or they may be, or they will bring bad luck to the whole, uh, not just family, but to the whole clan. So you find that even a Christian, even a Christian uh, man or woman, a narong, a sarong, when uh, they get these twins, they are under pressure, not only from themselves, but even from the wider, the wider, the wider family to kwarula the balongo. And basically, it's an appreciation to the to the God. They will say, "Where is our mukasa?" Giving credit to the to that God. Mukasa, that the children have come from Mukasa. So if you do not appease Mukasa, then you are in bad books. With, what? <laughs> with Mukasa. <laughs> with him. So in the event that any calamity befalls the family, mm. you'll be the calamity. The... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So quite it's 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 uh it's it's there's a lot. There's a lot. But uh as Christians I think it's something to think to think through. Reverend Rogers, looking at the contemporary society, the Christians today and uh, the relations they have with people who still have a belief in the African traditional religion and their practices and beliefs and rituals, what do you think would be the take mm -hmm. of a Christian? Mm -hmm. I think uh, before we even analyze the take, we need to look at the problem or the challenge. As I look at uh, African Christianity, especially as received from the missionaries, I always wonder whether Christianity has really changed Africa's way of religious life and thinking. As I analyze it, I realize that while Christianity came in Africa, it did not really become the worldview of the Africans. 
what Africans did, who, as you know, in Africa we are always polytheistic. We recognize the presence of the supernatural God, but in the company of several other small gods mm. that accompany him, that are responsible for different departments, gods of weather, fertility, marriage, wealth, and so on and so forth. So when we received missionary Christianity, we did not abandon our African traditional religion and worldview. Mm. As the polytheistic people we are, we added Christianity as one more religion <laughs> on top of the so many that we that already had. So we did not stop our African thinking, we just compartmentalized the different religions. So, for instance, on Sunday, almost everyone in Uganda is Christian. Mm. Churches are open, thousands are thronging in the cathedrals. People are so humble, you would think Jesus was buried in their gardens. <laughs> but then from Monday to Saturday, mm. we are back to the native doctor, to the appeasing of the spirits, and should anybody die, that's when you see the real African mm. culture. Mm. The reverend is invited to give you the sermon, and then you'll hear the MC saying, uh, the church's party is over, now let's go to a biafe. Mm. So you can see that you, you have people putting on two hats. There is a time when you put on missionary Christianity, but especially when there is crisis, we all switch to our native African gears. Mm. Meaning, our worldview has never changed, it is still African. We are still afraid of the demons and the powers of darkness, no matter where you look. We are still looking for safety and stability in the material things of this world. And when you understand where we are coming from as Africans, you will not be surprised now why things like the prosperity gospel has mushroomed in mm. Africa. Because if you think about the prosperity gospel, what are you really talking about? You are talking about the teaching that believers have a right to access health and wealth as they actualize their faith through their positive confession of, um, of, of maybe of, of their believers' authority. Prosperity gospel is running believers saying, come to Jesus, you will be rich. Come to Jesus, you will never fall sick. Come to Jesus, you will live longer. Or some are even saying you will never die. Come to Jesus and you are above and beyond all problems. Do you see why an African man would be smiling listening to a prosperity gospel preacher? He's exactly meeting the African's need, a need for wholeness and wellness. When the pastor in the church comes and says on Wednesday we have a delivering service, to the African man is saying, Pastor, what took you so long to announce that? <laughs> Demons and evil spirits and ancestors are all against me. My, my crops are dry. My cows are dying. My children have no school fees. Clearly, powers of darkness are out to get me. So when the pastor announces chasing demons, the African man is saying, yes, finally, I am going to get rid of the powers of darkness. I am going to be healthy and wealthy. Now, take a moment and look at the pastor. Who is the pastor to the African as he sees him or listens to him? In his mind, he's seeing a modern translation of the native witch doctor. Because remember, the native witch doctor was the man who mediates between the Africans and the powers of the supernatural world. The pastor has come now as the apostle or the so-called prophet. He comes claiming to have supernatural abilities and giftings that will enable him to manipulate spiritual forces and bring wealth and health to the believer, who in this case is the African. So really, 
Today's contemporary Christianity, let me call it, it is a modern version of African traditional religion. A lot of what we are watching on TV, on our radios, is no longer the missionary Christianity we received in the early 50s. It is now modernized African traditional religion. The pastor is still the witch doctor who now puts on a suit, drives a big car, lives in Naguru, no longer in the other grass thatched house. Sacrifices and rituals are still happening. They are coming in the form of tithes, pastors are selling anointed pens and handkerchiefs, others are giving a juice and calling it some anointed something, others are getting holy water and holy rice. We have people who are getting holy water from Israel, the river Jordan. So, so you see that the rituals and the sacrifices are still going on. The pastor has become the password to God. People don't want to come to God. They don't even know whether they will find him. But what are they doing? I bring an envelope to the pastor to pray for me. And as long as I have given him the envelope, my problems are over. His job is to make sure that God is happy with me. If my marriage is in trouble, where do I go? The apostle, the prophet. If my business is not working, where do I go? The apostle, the prophet. So what has really changed other than using Christian language and terminology into a worldview that we have always had as Africans? So contemporary Christianity today, if you look at it carefully, it just is, has been Christianized African traditional religion in so many ways. <laughs> it's interesting how <laughs> some of these things are running. Uh, where are some of these apostles? Uh, which are the titles? Uh, where are they getting these names from? These, these self-appointing authorities? Where are they grabbing them from? I wake up today, I have a garage, and I say I am the apostle here now. <laughs> but anyway, let, let's, let's, uh, let, let's continue with the, the African traditional uh, discussion. Are there beliefs now with this, uh, with what Reverend Rogers has just shared, mm. would there be any similarities? between the two, the ATR and, and, and some of the beliefs that the Christians have today, and if, if they are not there, would, would we see the thin line so that we know this is the extent the, the believer should go? Mm. And, and this is from here to here, uh, that is ATR. I think as uh, Reverend Rogers has been uh, speaking, basically ATR thinking is more about uh, the world of man. Vis-a-vis yeah, -vis contemplating on uh, God and his purposes, even uh, contemplating on creation. It's about how, how I am happy, how I am being filled. And sadly, that seems to be the trend Christianity is taking, uh, taking today. So it's something for us to, to watch out. It's a thin, it's a thin line. Because uh, contemporary Christianity seems uh, to be feeling, you know, the individual. So we want Christ for what he can give us. We want God for what he can give us. Not for who he is. Not uh, to contemplate on his nature. Not to contemplate on his uh, majesty. Not to contemplate on even his salvation that he gives us. You'll even see when you walk on these streets. Sometimes it's exciting to see we have many people preaching. But at the same time, at times it's sad. Because when you hear the content. Jangwe yesu of Nemotoka. Jangwe yesu of Nomukazi. 
Jangweli yesu of nature. So it's all about me. So the question is, have we really understood Christianity? Has Christianity really penetrated our, our hearts? And I think that is the dilemma. That it's a very thin line. That even when people come to Christ, Kurokoka, at times it's not Kurokoka in the sense. It is just uh, finding a place where my needs are being, you know, filled. Where my appetites are being satisfied. Where what I want to hear is uh, being uh, sort of like, you know, excited within me. So that is the problem which we have with ATR uh, fusing with uh, with Christianity. So you find if uh, if you came Odeke, today and you preached a very Bible, biblical based sermon, uh, chances of you being invited again tomorrow may to be two percent. Why? Because this Bible, this word of God will cut through the African heart with conviction. It will cut through to deal with the appetites that the African skin wants to, 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 to feel. So at the end of the day, you find that we have now rallied behind ATR. And so we are, we are, we are moving according to its, uh, we are playing by its cards in the, in the guise of the gospel in the guise of, uh, of, of Christianity. So that is where the big, big problem is that ATR thinking, which is a world-centered thinking, has actually taken over the Christian, the Christian mind. So that is a big, big dilemma for us to think through today. So uh, what I was wondering, would there be a way we would draw a thin line and, and now like the aspect of demoniology mm. that, that uh, we've, we've seen all over cutting in the city of Kampala and all through... Mm. Are there demons today? Mm. Yes, there are demons. There are demons. The demon, the evil world is real. However, at times we create the demons. I think that's where the problem is. Many times actually we create the demons even where they, they shouldn't be. I, I, I do not deny the existence of the evil world of the, and all those forces of darkness. But what I mean, many times we create them and it comes from our ATR. Our the quote that we put on is ATR, by the way. Yeah. Christianity has not entered. One of the theologians is called Paul Chisau. He makes a comment and he says, uh, Christianity is just skin. It's just on the skin. It has not entered this, the real fabric of the skin of the African. And that is where the problem is. Because from the African thinking, everywhere around, demons are moving all over this room. That is the African thinking. There are demons. Even when you see a cockroach there, ha! Judge say you get. Even when, uh, so it's all about demons. So as a result, we create demons. Even in church, you find ourselves creating demons. Even when they are not, even when they are not there. So I think that's where I have a problem. That we've gone overboard. To when I look at Odeke, your eye is not looking. Then I'm like, there is a demon. An eye demon has attacked you. So the next thing, we bring anointing oil and point your eye. You know? <laughs> so I think we've gone overboard. That is where my problem is. Yeah. I, I just hope you don't hear a demon in my beard. Reverend Rogers, looking at scripture and what a Christian should be, mm. and looking at the ATR, what line would you draw there? Okay, as uh, Tendo has rightly pointed out, African traditional religion and worldview at its heart is a man-centered view. Mm. It's all about how it is working for my well-being and for my health. 
when I come to ATR, the question I ask is, does it work for me? So when Africans receive Christianity, they receive it asking the same question. How will Christianity work for me? How does it become a vehicle through which I, I access my health, I access my riches, I get rid of my fears or my demons, which would not be so much a problem if we understood that much as we are aware of the presence and the reality of the spiritual world, Christianity offers a different way of addressing these things. Say, so for instance, as a Christian, one would know that if you have believed the Christian God, he is a sovereign, mm -hmm. not just in terms of creation, but even in redemption. Mm -hmm. That this God is the high and mighty before whom nothing is impossible. Mm -hmm. So when I confess Christ as my Savior and Lord, and he is now Lord of my life, mm -hmm. demons have no place in my life. Mm -hmm. Christ, who has conquered death and the grave, has conquered even the powers of darkness, and therefore I no longer need to focus on the demons and fear them. I need to put my eyes on Jesus who has conquered for me and now live in the freedom that he has purchased for me. But as Africans, when we come to Christianity, there is a sense in which we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, but remember Christianity has not really drained us to become the new worldview through which we see things. We have embraced the new without letting go of the old. So there is an aspect of Jesus has saved me, but I still need extra protection. And where do I get it from? From if I'm not going to the native witch doctor, now I will go to some pastor, some apostle, some prophet, but I'm really asking for what the witch doctor normally would have given me. If Christians embrace Christianity as the lens through which they see all of life, and not just add it on top of it, yeah, they will begin to understand, for instance, the sovereignty of God. They will begin to understand why Jesus died and rose again and how his rising from the dead has guaranteed victory for all those who believe. Mm -hmm. And therefore, when they come to the worship service, instead of focusing on the demons and chasing and binding them, they will actually be focusing on worshiping Jesus mm -hmm. who has already conquered mm -hmm. them. But today you come to church, yes, everything has the name Jesus in them, but 90% of the time is spent binding and chasing the devil. This one says, I bind you. This one says, I release you. This one says, shut up. Another one says, talk to me. What's your name? Sometimes I even wonder, maybe the demons themselves are confused. I wonder, should I stand up? Should I sit? Should I talk? Should I shut up? But all that confusion tells you who is still Lord and sovereign over the African man's life. He says he believes in Jesus, but Jesus is not enough. He's not all-sufficient. He's not really sovereign in their lives. Which further points to the fact that they have not really understood who Jesus is. They are trying to domesticate Jesus into the figure of the native doctor they always related with. While Christianity is about a savior who has come to save people from their sins, in ATR the doctrine of sin is not clear. We come to the native doctor to be delivered of our problems, our misfortunes, and our calamities, and most of these things are misfortune, are physical things around us. We are not thinking about our moral evil or our moral sin. 
So in the same way, when we become Christians, we come to Jesus to get rid of our misfortunes, our calamities, our poverty, our what, but we are not thinking about him in terms of Savior and in terms of Lord. Do we believe in Jesus? Yes. Which Jesus do we believe in? The one who takes away sickness, chases demons, gives us businesses, allows us to have twins, and gives us a good wife. You see what, what we are talking about here? We identify as Christians. We mention the name Jesus, but the Jesus we have in our mind is really not the Jesus of the Bible. He's the other guy we left in the village who has put on a suit, and his job is to deal with things around us, not really to change us and transform us. And because of that, we never really fully become Christians. We never understand what God's sovereignty means for us. And therefore, we receive God on the, on the one hand, and we continue to let the other old things hang around. You never know we may need them someday. But in Christianity, when you believe in a sovereign God, then he takes care of your everything. You no longer need the native witch doctor. You no longer need the sacrifices and the rituals. You put your trust in the sovereign God and he takes care of the powers of darkness that you always feared. If you become a Christian, there is no room for fear of demons and powers of darkness anymore. It doesn't mean they are still not real, but the one who is in us is greater than the devil who is in the world. So your reasoning begins to change. You begin to see the lordship of Jesus, not just in terms of saving you, but in keeping you, sustaining you, preserving you, holistically real. But until the African mind is changing to that extent, we will continue having a bit of Jesus and a bit of what we used to be familiar with and what once worked for us. So in other words, we'll be having a lot of katogo. Sure. Exactly. Tell <laughs> uh, you give your parting shot in a minute. Uh, uh, then, uh, just to encourage uh, the viewers, uh, this thing is real, but as Hebrews uh, puts it clearly, the word of God is living and active sharper than a two-edged sword that cuts even penetrating to dividing bone and marrow. You know? So the word of God is able to change us. The word of God is able to deal with all this. So many of us are battling with this. The African uh, tradition you know, thinking is, is real. But uh, when you continuously give yourself to the word of God and allow the word of God to have his way within you, then you're able to be changed. So I would encourage you, be a part of a Bible-believing church, be a part of a Bible fellowship, be a part of a places where you're being encouraged to go deep into the Word, and yourself also take an initiative to have the Word of God dwell in you, reading it, meditating on it, and allowing, submitting to what it says. God richly bless you. Thank you, Tendo. Uh, Reverend Rogers, would you like to give your last stuff, uh, maybe your parting shot for today? I'm sure someday, sometime you. again, you'll be back here. As you can imagine, this was a scratch on <laughs> yeah, the surface. Surely. <laughs> there is so much that could have been said. Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, I really would very much like to add on what Brother Tendo has said. The African traditional religion and thinking is very real among us. The reality of powers of darkness is also equally true. But we need to know that when we come to Jesus, who is the sovereign Lord, he overcomes them all. I would like to challenge you to consider Jesus 
and to go in the scriptures and understand who Jesus really is to you and what he accomplished in his death and resurrection for you. And once you understand that, you will receive freedom in Christ and you will never need to worry about the powers of darkness or the supernatural because Jesus has conquered them. I should quickly remind you that the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But how do you know the truth? You go to God's word because that's where God has revealed his word and his will for us. If you will be grounded in God's word, be discipled in the scriptures, you will know the truth. You will be able to know what is true and what is not. And therefore you will be able to defend yourself from the lies and especially the errors of the African traditional religion and thinking and put your hope and trust in Christ alone who is revealed in the scriptures. And once you do, your life will never be the same again. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.